Ben, thank you. And I, I just say, I don't know if you noticed what happened there, but um, a full-time worker of Tear Fund yeah. just introduced a compassion speaker. <laughs> and I just want to shout out Tear Fund. They're amazing. And we're not Man United, Man City. We're not in opposition. We are on the same side. And I just think that's a beautiful moment. Also, um, Gary, what was uh, sharing there about perception. And I was just thinking, who's sharing that, you know? You can see that that's the, a book or 66 books, can't you? You can see that that is a book, but you can't necessarily, it's not the same as perceiving what it actually is. And God wants us to perceive and not just to see. And you know, does anyone here believe that all things work together for good? for those who are called according to God's purposes. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? I know you know the right answer is yes. <laughs> but I've been a Christian a long time and I've been through some highs and some real lows. There was one time in my life where I was at a very, very low point and I, I had nothing but my Bible and a sleeping bag and I was staying in a friend's flat and I was reading the Bible and the lights went out, the electricity went out and I was at an incredible low point, away from my family, not by choice. And I remember saying to God, I'm happy to just go home. I don't know if anyone's ever been that low, but I, I was, yeah. And do you know what happened? God said to me, the only twice in my life I've really heard God speak, and he said to me, Andy, there's not one person in hell right now who wouldn't swap places with you without a second's notice. Think about that. The people who've got a doctrine that say hell doesn't exist, well, the Bible says it does, and God told me it does. And you don't have to take my word for it, it's the word of God that is the leverage here. But listen to that. That's why I'm telling you today is a good day. I'm alive. And if you might have some real difficulties going on in your life, and I appreciate that, and Gary's alluded to that, he knows as pastor. But let me tell you something, you're not in hell. And there isn't one person who wouldn't swap with you right now without a second's notice. And you say, Andy, but what about the cost of living crisis? And I say, I know, it's tough. But did you know in Haiti, a month's wages will get you a bag of rice? That's a cost of living crisis. I'm not minimizing the tough, I mean, honestly, I'm not. You know, I was in Premier Inn last night and I, uh, this morning having a shower thinking, this is great, this is a free shower. <laughs> I mean, that's embarrassing, isn't it? You know, we, I know, and saying yes. Well, do you know people, did you know people are actually going to the gym and saying 20 pounds for the gym membership is cheaper than having a shower at home for the month. They're, they're joining the gym for the free shower. You know, and I've got one, has anyone got one of those smart meters? Yeah, they don't work, do they? Well, ours doesn't anyway. It's absolutely hopeless. And I'm there in the morning thinking, how much is, lights off everybody. <laughs> Has anyone done that? Standby, everything's on standby. I mean, it, it isn't easy times, I get that. 
But it's not Haiti. It's not Sri Lanka. Where in Sri Lanka, it is three days of wages to buy one small bit of bread. And one tin of beans is three days of wages. Brother, sister, it's relative, isn't it? Come on. Have you got Bibles? Does anyone ever read the Bible? Is anyone into the Bible? I'm so into the Bible. It's amazing. Changed my life, this. If you're not, I'd, I'd encourage you. Don't listen to all the nonsense that it's, you know, it's got errors in it. No, it doesn't. I've looked at it for 30 years, and I've seen things I thought maybe, and then I look further and I understand in the original form. There are no errors in this word, in the original. You know, I accept translations can change things a little bit. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, let's read this together. Um, Very challenging, actually. We want you to know, brothers, and that's brothers and sisters in the original, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you. See that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at this present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that they may be, there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. What a stunning passage that is for today in the cost of living crisis. I commend it to you. I've got a few minutes to bring some things out. I commend it to you as a church to study it, to get God's perspective, because we are not those who shrink back. We are not those who fear. We should not be those. God has not put us here on this earth to be scared of finance or lack of finance. God has put us on this earth to walk by faith 
and not by sight. And you say, Andy, are you saying that we should just ignore everything and, and just throw caution to the wind? Absolutely not. But I am saying we're not to be fearful people or driven by fear. Perfect love of the Father casts out all fear. And we've got to appropriate that. It's a little bit like smiling. Do, do you get up every morning and think, yes, I'm alive. The sun's come up. He did it again. Do you do, you do that? No? Anybody? Thank you, this one. Do you know what? Most of us don't. Most of us scramble out of bed like wombles. You know, it's another day. But it is a miracle that God brings the sun up every day, do you not think? It is a miracle that you woke from your sleep. You, are, you do have a lease of time on your life, and you have no idea how long that will be. I've had friends who have died at 39 and younger, have you? You have no idea how long you have on this earth. And God wants us to get the perspective of eternity. And actually, friends, as we look at this together here, it's interesting, isn't it, that this story that I'm going to unpack here in a moment really leads us to say what we've done with our life proves what we believe. Is that fair? So we're saved by, if you're a Christian, you're saved by grace through faith alone. Believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day and still lives and reigns. Are we in agreement on that? And you're saved by believing that. But let me tell you, Satan believes that. And he's not saved. So it's what you do that proves that salvation is real. So we're saved by grace through faith alone, but that faith cannot remain alone. That's the book of James. Are we in agreement with that? Stop me if you're not, because I'm really happy with that. We're in a day where I'm not a proclamation preacher. If you say, Andy, I don't get that. I don't even understand that. Just say. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is that you get saved and that we are filled with joy. It doesn't matter how big the congregation is in that sense. So, how is Jesus going to measure if you were truly saved? Does anyone know? Matthew 25. Whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. So you, everyone in this room is going to stand before the judgment seat of God, according to Matthew 25. And there's one question. I can tell you up front what it's going to be, because it's in Matthew 25. This isn't a picture. This isn't an analogy. It's a fact. Jesus is going to say, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. So what you say, you say, I'm a Christian, are you? I could say I'm a six foot eight basketball player, but I'm not, am I? I'm not, honestly. I'm five foot five and from Yorkshire, actually. I could say I am, but it doesn't make me one, right? You could say you're a Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is what you do proves what you've said is true, right? Whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. That's the measure that God is going to use. God's priorities in your life. So a little bit of background to this story here. Paul's been going around churches for five years. A little bit like I do. I go into churches and I say, hey guys, how about let's look up outside Basingstoke. Paul's been going around. He's been saying there's real problems in Jerusalem. 
And the Christians there are not being supported. They're under massive pressure and persecution. And he's been raising money, he's been touring the Mediterranean. And he actually goes to this southern area of Greece called Corinth. And he visits there and they say, we're in. We're going to support. We believe it's a big deal. He then leaves and the, fall, and, and the church has a fallout. Churches never fall out, do they? <laughs> we never have arguments. We're always in unity. You know, brother and sister, there's no place for falling out. Sort it out. If you've got a situation going on in your life where you've got a problem with a brother or sister in this church, come to Gary. Gary will come with you. You get together and you say, let's work this out. Let's work it out. Because there's not enough time for us to play games with masks on. Is there? There isn't. God wants us in unity bond of peace between us and then there'll be fire but the Corinthian church fell out and they because they fell out they stopped gathering money to give to Jerusalem so Paul's gutted and there's about three or four letters some say four you know correspondence some are lost and Paul connects back in with the Corinthian church and he says I've sent Titus to you But why don't you just remember what you're committed to doing? Now you've repented. Now you've come back. Because they did. Now crack on with that giving. It's interesting that, isn't it? Paul's priority is on giving to these brothers and sisters who are in Jerusalem. But look at how he does it. It's absolute genius. It really is. Look at how he does this. So in the beginning here in verse 1, he says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, in Corinth, southern Greece about the grace of God that's been given among the churches in northern Greece, in Macedonia, right? So he's in North Greece, as we now know it. He's in the Philippi region, he's Berea, he's with the Thessalonica church, right? And these are young, small church plants. He's staying there. They have got massive taxation problems and persecution against Christianity going on in, these northern, in the northern area of Greece. They're small churches, no money, and they're getting battered by the Roman state. Cost of living crisis times an awful lot. Okay? How do I know it's bad? It must have been bad because look in verse 2, it says, in a severe test of affliction. Now, who's writing that? Paul. Paul's the guy who, he he was beaten up how many times, he was shipwrecked, he was abandoned, he was whipped for Christ. So if he says it's severe, I think it was pretty bad. He's not exaggerating, there's no word inflation. So he's saying, in this extreme, extreme pressure, these small churches who are new, what are they doing? Can anyone see? Their abundance of joy, I'll come back to that, and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Listen to this. They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will. Get this. Begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. Did you get that? I mean, 
This is the Haitian church who are living on a bag of grain for a month, costing a month's wages, pleading with a preacher to give money for people who are struggling in Rwanda. And that happens. And we say we've got a cost of living crisis. No disrespect, but you all look pretty smart this morning. You've all got shoes on. I reckon, maybe not everybody, but most of you will have had breakfast. And you'll know where your next meal's coming. There are 500 million children on this planet who don't. Should we be bothered? Well, God's bothered. <laughs> How do I know? Matthew 25, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Galatians 6.10, as you have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. That's God's priority. I don't know what yours is. Yours might be a latte. Yours might be Sunday lunch. Oh, Andy, you shouldn't have said that. I'm going to start thinking about food. Well, praise God, you'd probably be able to have your lunch. 500 million children around the world won't today. So what do we do with that? Do we beat ourselves up or, we, or do we say, God, can you imagine being those northern churches in Macedonia? Now, can you imagine going up to Gary and saying, oh, in the middle of this crisis, um, with this cost of living crisis, you know, maybe as some of you here in this room will be literally looking at the last penny. I've been there. I've been down to 18p. I'm not now. Praise God. God has blessed me financially. But I'm glad that I've been well fed and hungry. I'm glad for that because I know what it means to be on 18p. I mean 18p and no access to credit. I know what that feels like. And there may, there may be some people here today in that situation. But imagine being in that situation with your 18p and begging Gary to give him that 18p. That's what's going on in this passage. What is Gary going to do with that? I've been in that, by the way. I've recently, I've had somebody who's come in and the little family and he was unemployed and they said, we want to sponsor a child. We want to make a difference and sow into that child's life. And the husband's saying, but I haven't got a job. And the wife's saying, but I reckon God's going to make up for this. And they come to me and they said, what do you reckon? And I said, I'm, I don't know, but I'll pray with you crying, arms round. And they went off and they came back and the woman said, we really want to do this. And so we prayed again. I said, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray you bless this faith. It's not prosperity gospel, it's faith. Bless this faith and bless this brother with a job. And then I gave him a card. Two months later, he, he emailed me and said, Andy, I've got the best job I've ever had by miles. Now, I'm not saying that that's the reason to do You understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that's the reason to do it. I'm saying that that's faith. That's somebody who's saying, I want to give you my 80. You know, the widow's might, all she had to live on. I'm not into this 10%. I think 10% is a good guide of giving as a minimum. It's a good guide. But do you know, all she had to, that's Jesus said, I commend that woman. He noticed that woman. 
You say that, that's, that, that's, uh, that's just not common sense, Andy. That's not good stewardship. All right, take it up with Jesus then. <laughs> I, don't take it up with me. Jesus commended that woman. Paul says, I mean, come on. This is not a story. This is fact. It, we know the Bible's written in different, yeah, there's some allegories, there's some letters, there's some generalizations in the Proverbs. This is written as narrative. This means this happened. That there were churches in northern Greece who I don't reckon Paul even asked them to contribute. Well, I know he didn't. Because that's what the text said. Look, it says, begging beyond their means, in verse 3, of their own free will. Look at that. You see, that's why today, I'm not saying you have to do this. Otherwise, you're a bad boy. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's up to you. But as you have opportunity, do good. Right? But do it because you want to do it, not because you, you think you should do it. Do it because your heart's moved. And you say, Andy, ah, oh, I'm just tight. I mean, is anyone here? Let's just be honest for a minute. I'm not in, we haven't got time to be anything but honest. Some of you will be massive, generous people, right? And you go around to your house and you invite, you know, you invite people around and the table's full. I've been invited to places like that where the table's full. But I've also been invited into some houses where it isn't full. Where there's a, there's a bowl in the middle with four potatoes and five people, you know. And you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm okay. Do you, have you ever been in a house like that? Where you think, I don't feel welcome here. I've been invited in, but I'm not welcome. That's just but I have as a Christian. They knew it was the right thing to do because I was a preacher to invite me in for a meal. But there was no generosity there. There was no kind of sense of warmth there. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're tight, as we say in Yorkshire. Some of us are really generous. Some of us are not. And you say, Andy, I'd love to do this, but I'm just, I'm just tight. And I, I'm not going to do it. Okay. All right. I could take a law. I could take the Bible and use it as law. And I could say, well, you need to do better than that. Try harder. But I'm not going to do that because that's not Jesus' way. I'm going to take grace. I'm going to say, do you want to become more like Jesus Christ? Yeah? Yeah? If you say, no, I want to remain tight, that's your shout. Bless you. But if you're sitting there now saying, I want to be more generous, right? I had a minister the other day, and I was talking about this exact thing a few weeks ago. And I, a minister was, in, it was a vicar, Church of England vicar. He was massive. Well, everyone's massive to me. You know? <laughs> was, and he came up afterwards, and he said, Andy, I am not generous. My heart is not like that. Will you pray for me? Oh, it's broken. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. See, you might be tight, but it's okay in one way. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Because let's have a look at the text a little bit closer. Just a bit more a dive here. Okay, so 
He says, doesn't he, in verse 7, excel in everything, excel in faith and speech and knowledge. You're doing well, Corinthian church, in faith and speech and knowledge. Now you need to excel in grace. But look what comes before it. It's a hinge verse. If you're going to study it, study verse 5. Look at this. They were begging us earnestly, verse 4, for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Now check this out. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Do you see that? There's the hinge. If you will give yourself first to the Lord, he will give you his heart. If you just say, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to put tight in the belt, give more, nothing will change. And God wants your heart. Right? He wants a generous, joyful, joyful. I mean, look at the joy that these guys have. Come on, it is shocking. Look at that. The, it says there's, in a severe test of affliction, verse 2, the abundance of joy. They were joyful in their abundant giving out of their poverty. How do you get there? Well, you get there by giving yourself first to the Lord. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? You're likely kind of thinking it through. That's okay. First to the Lord, on your knees, behind a closed door, praying, God, give me a heart like yours. Because I want to be, be more like Jesus Christ. And though he was rich, yet he became poor, so that you might become rich. <laughs> we can hear you. We can hear you. That's like God in there shouting, can you hear me? Can you hear me saying this today? Though he was poor, you ever thought about that? Jesus was rich beyond measure, and yet he came and washed the disciples' feet like a servant. It's another preach in itself, isn't it? And died on a cross like a criminal, naked, so that you and I could live with the joy of the Lord as our strength. Can I just ask a quick question? Does anyone like being a Christian? Because. <laughs> I, I wonder sometimes, you know, I go into churches, all sorts of churches, and I, there's a warmth here, and I love that. It's actually quite warm. And I see people, and it's like, guys, you know, I see a lot of lemon-sucking Christians. <laughs> Not sure about that, Andy. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, I might have got it wrong, but I'm human. We get it wrong sometimes. But is there any joy in the house? Does anyone know they're going to glory? You know, I could just feel, really? I mean, there's a day coming where you're going to stand before God and God's going to say, well done, brother. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Can you imagine that? God singling you out. What's your name? Alan. Singling Alan out. Saying, Alan, well done. <coughs> I saw that. I noted down everything you did for that vulnerable person the world never saw. And you thought people didn't see what you were doing behind the scenes. I saw all of it. Yeah. I wrote it out. I love you. You're my son. 
and he's going to throw his arms around you and you're going to feel like a baby, like a child. And you're going to think, I wish I could go back and do it again because I'd live so much more for God. And he's going to say, I see you. You know, God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. More than you'll ever know. You're more loved than you can ever imagine. You're actually more sinful than you think too. <laughs> but you're more loved than you can ever imagine. Right? Yeah. You know, I, brother, sister, if you're not a Christian today, can I just say, do you know God? Because I sensed I got up this morning, I thought, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about know about him. I mean know him in your heart. If you're not a Christian today, well, my wife's granddad got saved here in 1968. I want you to get saved here today. I'm here to talk about compassion and saving children's lives. But I want your life saved too. Because you might have it all together. I don't know. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, you are not going to heaven, even if you think you're a good person. Because everything you do, it's not like a weighing scale. I've done some good and some bad, and God will go, yeah, you were okay, maybe let you in. That's, that's not Christianity. Christianity is there's no way into eternity without giving your life to Jesus Christ. And can I just do this? I'm a bit embarrassing, but run with me. I'm, I'm 53. I'm getting old. I'm from Yorkshire. Just say it doesn't matter. But look, grace me, grace me. You can go down on one knee as a, yeah? And you can say, did you know that in the old days they used to, uh, like the king and the queen, they used to put like a sword, they still do that with a sword over your head, right? Have you ever noticed that they, they don't, it's not one knee, it's two? Do you know why? Because you see, if you've got one knee, you can run away. Because the king or the queen sometimes didn't like you, off you with your head. So that's why you had to do two knees, full submission. And it might be that you say, yeah, 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 I kind of believe in God, but I'm not kind of living for him. You're on one knee and you're not living with the joy. You know, you can, you could get to that point where you say, I, I want to give my last 18p. And Gary says, no way, you need that. And you say, brother, I'm giving you it. And God is going to bless you because of that. Because you're going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Am I making sense? I want more of this as we, we just kind of bring this to a close here. There's, there's no pressure here. Can I tell you that? Look in verse 12. If the readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has and not what he does not have, right? There's no pressure from God. But you, can you read that in the light of the widow's might? That's, a, that's tough. It says, it's saying, look, if the readiness is there, it's acceptable. And it might be that you say, I really, really want to give. It might be you're in a marriage where your husband's not a Christian or your wife's not a Christian. And you want to give, but they don't. Seen that many times. Just bring the readiness to God. And you say, I'm going to give anyway. 
because I want to, not because I'm being told to by Andy or anyone else, because I really love you, Jesus, and I trust you for my finances, and I'm not going to fear. Does that make sense? I'm not going to fear the cost of living crisis. I'm going to walk out of this as we walk out of COVID with faith, not fear. Last thing we're going to say, and then I'm going to finish, and then I'm just going to, I don't know if we can just, this, this one slide here, we get here. Did you know that, um, there it is. Let's go back one. The word for compassion is splagnitsomai. That's a memorable word, isn't it? In the Greek. It means being moved in the bowels. Your bowels being moved like after a curry. I know it's a bit gross, but that is what it is. Sorry. You know, it's that Jesus was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know, Jesus was moved enough to come from glory to earth and die on a cross for you. Do you know why? Because he loves you. But true love acts. True love doesn't just say, I love you, darling. I love you, darling. If you just say, I love you, darling, but you never actually give her a hug, you never listen to her, you never care for her, you never go without the footy or your golf game, that's not love. You know, I gave up watching England against Italy. Hallelujah, actually. (laughs) Happy days. You know, I was thinking, oh, I I could leverage this, but it's Friday night. We've got a curry going on. I'm pretty glad I missed it. (laughs) Doesn't matter, does it? See, real love acts. It moves you. See, God moved from heaven to earth. I'm asking you the question today. Will you move? Will you move to see giving as something that is an act of grace? I haven't got time to open up the next chapter, but you can check out what happens in chapter Nine, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal, the teaching there. Will you move from saying you're a Christian to living like one? And if you're not a Christian, when this song comes up, when we play this last song, why don't you move and say, I want to become a Christian today. I want to do this. And you, Gary's here. You could just come and sit here or do whatever, but just do something. Just come and stand at the front or sit at the front here, whatever, and say, I need to be saved. I want to become a Christian, like Andy's grandfather-in-law, if that's a thing. And maybe you go back to the table there and you say, I'm going to change his life. And I'm going to go without my five, six coffees and I'm going to invest in this person, I'm going to write to them. And if you write into them, you know, thank you. But please keep doing that, because it really means a lot to these children. God bless you guys. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, we pray. We pray that you would move our hearts today. Father, we pray that you would move us to be more like Jesus Christ of Nazareth that we would be joyful servants.
that we would excel in the grace of giving, not out of law or not out of fear, but out of love and an overflowing heart. Lord, would you grant to us inspiration this morning to see Jesus Christ, who though he was rich became poor for us. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to move us to sponsor some children today and love them and care for them, disciple them across the world. I bless this church, oh God. I bless it in Jesus' name. I pray that it would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus and it would grow in the grace of giving in the name of Jesus. And I pray for anyone here who does not know you this morning, that they would make a move in a moment and come and speak to Gary or me and they would become a Christian today. In Jesus' name, amen.